0: super talk mississippi media production taylor swift is coming to new orleans and margaritaville resort biloxi and super talk are giving away a free pair of tickets for your chance to win go register now at margaritaville resort biloxi and get your name in for the final drawing from margaritaville and super talk 103.1 he's the former president and publisher of the sun herald and now he's on the radio Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi and Mississippi, for that matter, such a great place to live, work and play. Look, it's been a great week here on Super Talk. We've had so many incredible guests And uh, you know, and then we, you know, I I looked at the schedule for next week, and we've got so many new guests, so many incredible people who are making such a mark here in coastal Mississippi to uh, to make this a better place to live, work, and play. And I want to thank you for joining us. As I often say, the numbers for the show continue to climb. The the social media engagement around the show is just terrific. I really appreciate you paying attention. And we do this every day. We do it Monday through Friday, and uh, a new guest. Long-form conversations and a great way to learn about what it takes to to build a great community. Hey, listen, throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing journalists. Uh, I've had responsibilities for newspapers from Louisiana to Florida, and I've been publisher of three separate newspapers along the way. And, you know, you've had the opportunity to meet some of them here on this show. Kate McGandy, who used to work at the Sun-Herald and now works for WXXV. Um, i've had blake on who's the general manager now at the sun herald um, and you know just a long stretch of people of course roland weeks my predecessor at the sun herald um, from my time in, in louisiana they're working with the uh, nola media group and nola.com at the time's fik and i have met i met so many incredible journalists I was surrounded by talent, Pulitzer Prize winners. You've you've met many of them here on this show. James O'Byrne, who is living in the countryside of France now, comes on regularly to talk about uh, the changing media landscape. I just love spending time with James. He's such a smart guy. Uh, Mark Schlesstein, uh, just an incredibly talented environmental writer, multiple prize winner, um, just incredible. Jeff Duncan, who's here every single Friday. And uh, we talk about the Saints and the Pelicans and whatever else might be on Jeff's uh, mind and, and others. But I'm pleased to have someone today, someone I got to know really well while I was in uh, in Louisiana. He's a Pulitzer Prize-winning photojournalist. And uh, his name is Ted Jackson, and he is from Mississippi. And we're going to talk about that Mississippi connection here shortly. But let me start by just saying good morning to you, Ted. How you doing, my friend?
2: Good morning. Doing great.
1: Doing great. It's good to see you. Good to see you doing well. You know, you were at an event last night, and certainly we're going to talk about this here in just a second about your book, a very special book about a, a man who, um, who was an NFL football player who played in multiple Super Bowls, who you found on the streets of New Orleans as a homeless man, and it sort of unlocked a series of uh, events. A close relationship between you and uh, Jackie Wallace, the man's name, and uh, led to a book, uh, led to an incredible photojournalistic effort on your part. But I think that story, that story and that story specifically, tells as much about yourself as it does about Jackie, about the form of photojournalism that you practice, your connection to your subjects, the way you immerse your heart and soul in your work is more than just taking a picture. You're very immersive about what you do. Have you always been like that, Ted? I I think that's why I got into photojournalism. I,
2: I love telling stories. I love connecting with people and and um you know when i when i find the right story i can just immerse myself into it and and feel the heart of it um i was was often you know kidded early on in my career that uh, you know uh some some photographers would say just go shoot the picture and move on to the next day and and um you know the next day is, uh, starts fresh and um i I was never like that. A lot of my colleagues were, were were not like that like that either, but you you made connections with people and and um and stayed with them. and yeah. uh, the, 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 the stories through the years would unfold. And if you had those connections then then you could keep going back. um I, I remember one of the, my first job in newspapers was in New Iberia. And uh, I'd, I felt like I was going to be there about two years. That was just kind of my notion at the time, the Daily Iberian. And I, I found a Cajun couple who I just just connected with that lived on the edge of the swamps. And I, I visited with them every chance I had, between assignments, after assignments, early in the morning, on weekends, whatever, and ironically, I kept the story secret from my editors because I didn't want them to pull it when they had an empty space. And uh, so I just kind of kept it a, a quiet notion of mine and worked on it for two years. Wow. Uh, and when I gave my two weeks notice to, to come to the Time to Speak You, I, I, I unveiled that essay, and uh, that was kind of my swan song. But I've always done that, and Jackie was no different.
1: Well, we'll talk more about Jackie's story here in a second, but you were born in Macomb, Mississippi. You went to the University of Southern Mississippi. Where, where in your life did you realize that photojournalism was going to be your thing?
2: I was in college. I, yeah. I, I went to um, junior college at Southwest Junior College in uh, Summit um, for a couple of years, and there I met um, uh, a great friend, Steve Gardner, who became my uh, roommate, and after the first semester, we we joined together as, as roommates, and I was an architecture major. I was taking drafting, and um, Steve was a journalism major, and one weekend brought home a borrowed camera, 35-millimeter camera. And because I was into art, I, I loved to draw, and and uh, he, he just kind of laid the camera on his desk and said, hey, anytime you want to use this, just pick it up and, and roll with it. And um, and I did, and we we would uh, work together in the darkroom at the school and, and learn how to print, and and I, I fell in love with it. Like I, I may have said earlier, I've always been a storyteller, and whether that was going to be through art, or you know, just or or, or telling stories or or finding the the right medium, photography fit that notion uh, perfectly. Um And so it, it took a, it took a while. It took a couple of years, but uh, but I finally figured out that journalism was my was my role.
1: Well, there's so many great examples of your your photojournalism. Um, you know, Desire, Death of Dream, about the Desire Housing Project. People in coastal Mississippi uh, have heard of Desire and what that's all about. Um, but the way you immersed yourself there, I remember when I was at the Sun Herald. It wasn't long before I became publisher. I I remember the Oceans a Trouble series that the Times Picky Yoon did, but man, that was a massive undertaking. It wasn't, you know, once I got over there and really started to study that specific effort, um it wasn't just a story about coastal, coastal, you know, Gulf Coast. It was a it was a story about the world's fisheries and the kind of investment that the times Union made in that effort, which ultimately, I should add, led to a Pulitzer Prize for public service in in 1997. Man, that was uh, that was a special project to be a part of, wasn't it?
2: It was, and it it's a it, it started small. Well, it's it started big, but. Not as big as it ended up being. <laughs> um, they, they, they formed the team of um, Mark Schlefstein, you mentioned earlier, John McQuaid, and myself as a photographer. And uh, Bob Marshall later joined us on uh, the sports side of, of the fisheries. But uh, it started out as a, um, a three-month project. And uh, get out there and and uh, try to understand what was happening with the uh, the fish stocks in the Gulf of Mexico, the depletion of the fish stocks and what the problems were. And after three months, the, the, the team quietly came together and said, what do you have? And we all said, we don't have it yet. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, kind of sweat and bullets kind of a moment. I don't have the pictures I need. I know I don't have it. And, um, and everybody said the same thing. And so we went and asked for more time. And they basically said, I mean, the, the, the dream of photojournalism, especially in journalism in general, is, you know, they gave us all the time we needed. They gave us all the resources we needed and just said, go. And uh, we, we need to develop this story, figure out what the, the issues are, which uh, we we learned that the problems in the Gulf of Mexico were – you know, we're being echoed through throughout the world. And so if we need to go to Thailand, go to Thailand. If you need to go to Japan, go to Japan. If you need to, to go to Florida, whatever it meant, um my, my 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 great remembrance was what I was finally told by an editor, Ted, if you need a helicopter, just go get it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey but Ted, you know what? <clears throat> Don't you wish that those days of journalism were still here? And they they're so important. Imagine the number of resources, just in general, from newspapers that were engaged in community, nationally, internationally, across this nation. Say, even twenty, twenty-five years ago, it's it's um, it really made a difference, didn't it? It
2: did. It really did. And those are important <laughs> stories. And people don't go looking for things. They uh, like that. They 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 discover them um, when they when it's presented properly and uh, pull them in to, uh, to to stories that they you know, people these days on um, news sites they tend to, in my opinion they, they go to a site and look for the stories that they are interested in. You don't open the front page and
1: the, Yeah, the also, serendipity, it, the serendipity it was exactly, so important. You don't hey, when, when we come back on the other side, we're we going to continue our conversation with Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist Ted Jackson, who's from Mississippi went to the University of Southern Mississippi and uh, we're going to talk about this very unique story of Jackie Wallace but before that we're going to we're going to talk just a bit about Katrina we'll see after this break.
0: Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop desktop or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coast View. We're visiting with Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist Ted Jackson, who is from Mississippi. He had a long and incredible career at the Times-Picayune. He does a lot of uh, uh, journalism work these days. Um, and uh, he's just a special guy. He's a guy who, 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 as I said at the beginning of the show, pours his heart and soul into his projects. But uh, you know, manga, the, the many awards that you've gotten, I retired in 2016, um, Ted, but in 2017, you were awarded the Amos Award for your timeless journalism, has uh, has earned the trust of community and the respect of your colleagues. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm very partial to that award, because, as you know, Jim and I Jim Amos and I, the former executive editor and the the uh, Vice President of editorial and content for Nola Media Group, he was someone that was extremely important to me and uh what a what a wonderful distinction to get that award ted and and i'm I'm not surprised at all that you got it well i was
2: I was surprised, <laughs> yeah. Uh, They 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 made sure that I was there to photograph the event when they uh, held the the uh, the official ceremony and uh, they when when my name was called I just stood there stunned Uh, but yeah that was that that holds a very special place in my heart and in my bookcase that uh, because it's you know from my colleagues it's
1: yeah. um, yeah, very, 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 very special. Hey, listen, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna turn the page here quickly, and just I can't help but mention that uh, the Sun Herald won a gold medal Pulitzer Prize for public service, and so did the Times Union in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. You know, we may may never see what you and I observed our teams doing after that storm ever again, because you, you, the role that 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 the newspaper can play in helping a community come to grips with what it's facing and to find their way through to the other side, uh, the resources that were deployed in that. At one point, incidentally, I asked a question as publisher of The Sun Herald. I asked a question, how many people from Knight Ridder, the owner of The Sun Herald, how many people from Night Ridder are here right now? Because I asked them, every time someone appeared, I wanted to see them, I wanted to meet them, and when they left, I wanted to say thank you on the way out. But in that moment, there were 67 people at The Sun Herald from Knight Ritter here here to help. Wow. Um, but the 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 way the resources came together to cover the aftermath was a sort. Of, it was a life changing event, wasn't it, Ted? It,
2: it was, and um, you know, it, it, there, Katrina was the storm that almost broke me. I I was a veteran of covering hurricanes. I was had, had really good technique and and processes and and uh, scenarios of how to deal with whatever would come my way but that was different in your own hometowns and in swallowing the homes of your friends and colleagues and and um with with no hope in the future you you couldn't see past the next day and that led to a lot of chaos uh not only you know with the residents or i always say that everybody that lived in New Orleans that was, had a part of New Orleans at that time, if they stayed or if they evacuated, whatever, everybody has an incredible story to tell. And in the, in the preceding years of after Katrina, uh, everybody wanted to tell it. And, uh, so there was, there was a, an amazing, uh, amazing times. And, yeah. uh, I'm glad I was there, but I wouldn't never
1: want to do it again. It yeah. Was, no, I'm, I, I say that often myself, you know, it was, a uh, made me a better person a better leader it helped me understand that we often said that newspapers were had a vital role in society to help keep keep democracy viable but we actually got to see that on the ground the importance of providing that news and information to residents so they could sort through all these complex you know decisions they had to make from flood maps to insurance to rebuilding costs to you know you name it you know yep. how do i how do i make a decision to stay Right. And how do I make a decision to go? I mean, these are, these are all important contemplations. And listen, speaking of connecting, uh, your editor sent you to take a picture of a, of a homeless camp. Uh, <laughs> when you got there, it wasn't there. And, but you noticed across the street this tiny little sit- setup, and you took a picture and you noticed a lot of things about this tidy environment, and you had a, a now what was an incredible conversation with a man by the name of Jackie Wallace that, in a lot of ways, changed your life as much as it changed his. Tell people about that real quick. Yeah,
2: it was a it was a it was a homeless camp that was set up under the uh, Carrollton overpass that my editor Kurt Mutchler, asked me to go check out. Nothing expected. Uh, So I went there and it was all messed up. But on the way back to the car, I I almost stumbled over this guy and uh, the, the camp was so tidy, neat. He even had a newspaper folded to the, you know, on the uh, edge of his little homemade bed. And I shot the picture, just not thinking much of it because it it was just a, it was just a tidy homeless. It was so ironic looking, but, uh, but I woke him up to ask him a question about the other camp and, That's when he said, you ought to do a story about me. And I asked him why, and he said, because I've played in three Super Bowls. And um, it uh, was one of those incredible moments, literally incredible, that you don't believe. And um, the, the strange thing was that I didn't even recognize his name when he told me his name was Jackie Wallace. It meant nothing to me. I didn't know. So I went back to the newsroom and every head popped up when I asked about this man and and they said, Yeah, he, he's he was, you know, all American, played, you know, in the NFL and and was in actually two Super Bowls, but uh, he was on the team for three and but nobody knows where he is anymore. And so that's how that started. And we headed back with uh I, I went back with Jimmy Smith, a reporter who was ironically, which is the irony of ironies here, is that uh, he was, he had just published that day, the third in a series of sports heroes. Where are they today? And interesting enough, that was the page that Jackie's newspaper was turned to, that was laying by his elbow. And even more ironic and strange is that this the last of the three-day series was about Joe Ehrman, who was a, a, a teammate on the Baltimore Colts. So when you think about it, he, he. He got the newspaper every day as a homeless man, as a crack addict, and read the paper every day. And he read a story about his good old buddy who had gotten out of the NFL, folded the paper, laid down, went to sleep, and woke up with a journalist standing over him. (laughs) And so naturally he would say, here's this series, you ought to
1: do a story about me. <laughs> well, look, here's the, I wish we had, as I said, I wish we had taken an hour to tell this whole story, but I I, I can't help but say, and the rest of the story is this. So why don't you kind of get to the punchline and tell sort of where all this ended up going? Um. Well, it, 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 it it turned into a newspaper
2: story that Friday. Jackie was whisked off the streets by his old teammates uh, and ended up in a uh, um, rehab clinic in Baltimore, of all places. And um, and over the years, we just became friends. We just made that connection. And he would call me every Thanksgiving morning and thank me for what I meant to him. And we would talk about what he meant to me and how... Um, you know, how, how, how many amazing life stories I learned, how many uh, amazing uh, stories of faith in God and, and, and what God has done for us in our lives. And, and we both believe to this day that, uh, that God put us in that place, uh, not only put us in the place, but taught us, Jackie, to play football and me to be a photojournalist so that we would meet that day. And, and we talk about that a lot um about the serendipity of the moment being a god thing. And um and and it we're, led, we're it, led to, it led to a book. It it led to a book. And uh um when <laughs> when when I wrote those as a follow-up story, it it's a really long, fascinating story about the ups and downs of addiction, the NFL, the inner workings, the inner workings of of of, um, of, of drugs and the inner workings of faith uh, the inner workings of CTE what that does to a, to a football player's brain and and um, when when I when I wrote a follow-up story for the newspaper it was it was an instant viral sensation it was I had never seen anything like it the most read story in the history of the times Timespicyune and when that landed on the desk of a of a literary agent in New York um, at the same time that my proposal for a book the same day, Ricky, the same day. (laughs) And she calls me up and she says, holy cow. And um, yeah, there's a
1: book in this. Well, look. Here's here's what I want to do. Um, Jeff Duncan, our friend, is going to be joining us on the other side. So he usually is here every Friday to chat about, you know, the Saints and where they are. I'm going to ask you to hang around for a second and join Jeff and me for the beginning of that conversation, so that uh, so we the three of us can visit for a few minutes. You got a second to do that? That'd be awesome.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: that, that that will be awesome. So, hey, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Pulitzer Prize-winning photojournalist from Mississippi, uh, Ted Jackson. And uh, we'll be joined by Pulitzer Prize-winning and one about every other kind of sports award you can possibly award, Jeff Duncan. We'll see you after this.
0: Podcasts on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast, one hundred three point one.
1: Welcome back to Coast View. When I saw a post from Jamie Bates, who's been on this show many times, he also has a servant's heart. His ability to connect in a photojournalistic way is just incredible. He's sort of I think of, Ted, I think about um, Jamie when you tell your story about how you connect with people and stay connected, etc., um, but when I saw that, I thought I got to get Ted on the f- on the show. And what we're going to do, Ted and I are actually going to plan a show. We're going to come back and tell the entire backstory to this conversation or this this book that he wrote uh, around Jackie Wallace because it's a fascinating story. I think you'll enjoy hearing it. And here is a Mississippian who's done really well. But um, but before the show started, Jeff Duncan. He- good morning to you, Jeff. How you doing this morning?
0: Morning, guys. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, this is Jeff's day on on, on uh, the show, but but Ted and Jeff go back a long way. Turns out the book that I've talked about many times that Ted, excuse me, that, that Jeff's in the process of writing with Steve Gleason, which is not a book about ALS, it's a book about life and of course Jeff and I've talked about that. It turns out that uh, along the way, Ted's taking some photos of Steve Gleason. And uh, I just thought it'd be a great little connection here to, to talk about where you are with your book and uh, and how talented Ted is in taking a subject like, uh, like Steve Gleason and, and creating some, some really special images. What's your thoughts about that, Jeff?
0: Well, there's no doubt. I mean, Ted was the first person we thought of when we got the assignment to spend a day with Steve. We knew that Ted had experience and worked with Steve and Michelle before but more than anything uh, Ted has an extraordinary eye for portrait photography uh, the best I've ever worked with in that regard just incredible perceptiveness toward humanity and there's just uh, you know it takes a certain uh, photographer with that skill set to work in that situation Steve and Michelle love Ted they have great respect for him So we had an incredible day, I think Ted would would admit. I mean, that day we spent basically documenting a day in the life of Steve Gleason for the readers at The Athletic at the time, uh, I think was an extraordinarily profound day because we got to see from the the minute that Steve Gleason got up in the morning to when he went to bed at night what uh, his life is like. And it is unbelievable, this man... Does this every single day of his life, uh, and it was incredible that they let us into that world and and showed us because it was there were some extremely vulnerable uh, occasions for, for Steve and he was willing to share that with the public.
1: Ted, did you realize in, when you were in that moment? Of course, I, I mean this is kind of an obvious question, but our obvious answer that you're you're in a not only a vulnerable moment for Steve, but you're in. The presence of a man who's really defining life. Did you feel that when you're around him?
2: Well, when I when I first walked in, um, he was they were getting dressed and having his breakfast, which meant pouring, you know, gruel into a tube. And I've been around a lot of things before, and that didn't shock me. But it shocked me that it was my introduction. You know before any ground rules had been established and and I looked at Steve and I looked at his therapist and I said before I shoot anything I need to know what my parameters are what are what am I what what are the expectations from you and and Steve said through his synthesizer said there are no limits and you know that's that is that's a gift for someone to open their lives to you like that and uh, so I, I delicately shot that moment. But as as, as moments went on, and uh, as he was getting dressed, you know, ended up, um, you know, with with Steve being rolled into the shower. And I'm thinking, what, what's what's going on here? What 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 kind of pictures can I shoot that's delicate and, and very meaningful? And and to watch the therapist work with him uh, and dressing him and. And everything were powerful moments. They were just powerful. And uh and Steve was okay. And he's he's he, because he trusted me. And that's that's the responsibility a photojournalist gets in that kind of moment. Um so you know people often get the idea that that if you do certain things in certain order And if you live a certain kind of life and you surround yourself with certain people and you have enough money and you do this, do that, then your life is going to be great and you're going to just skate through uh, with, you know, rainbows and and, um, and, and never having trouble. Well, that's not what life is about. And once we understand that and accept that about our own paths – and start welcoming whatever comes our way. Because the answer to life is about how we deal with these things. Steve is the example, right? He, he shows us the grace and the poise and the impact that you can have, even in times of horrible circumstances. Uh, it's, it's just a wonderful example to see, and I'm so glad Jeff's writing this, this book and, uh, and being a part of that.
1: Uh, I can't help but think, Jeff, that as we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, birthday this this uh, past week, or this week, excuse me, um, one of the things he said is, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? And um, Steve Gleason could not be any more selfless in the way he presented himself to Ted and the way he's focused on this book, because his desire, his hundred percent desire in life now, is to help others however he can.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, I just had this conversation with Steve and Michelle yesterday about our book project, and uh, you know, they're adamant that this is not a Hallmark greeting card book. They want to expose all their human flaws. I mean, Steve will constantly say, oh, "You're making me." Out to be too much of a hero, you know. I want to show the world that I'm flawed and I have weaknesses, just like everyone else. That's how you resonate with people. They can identify with someone uh, like Steve going through this terrible, uh, you know, adversity that he and Michelle and I think it's important to, to to note. Michelle is very much a part of this book. I mean, she's a strong character in our book and steve wants it that way i mean really it's more of their story than just steve's story uh, and, and they both are incredible in, in what ted said earlier about uh, allowing us into their world and willingness to be open and candid and vulnerable i mean that is a true gift very few people are willing to do that but they know that is what is necessary to connect with everybody and to make an impact on people's lives. And that's what they want out of this book more than anything else is impact people's lives. So when they come into these uh, adverse situations, and it's probably not going to be nearly as extraordinarily challenging as ALS is, but whatever, this book is about handling life as as Ted said, and, and Steve and Michelle are a shining example of that.
1: One last uh, question, Ted, before we move on. Um, This notion of legacy and greatness and the power of the human spirit, you know, when you sense all those things in Steve's presence, you realize you're part of something that's so much greater than yourself, don't you?
2: No doubt. And, And just being there and and uh, watching the day-to-day activities, you know, we uh, went with him to the Saints game that on a Monday night and and walked with him, you know, in the park when his wheelchair is stuck in the mud and Michelle's pushing and, and uh, you know, uh, Sun Rivers is trying on his Gleason jersey. And, you know, those quiet moments, you, you just see uh, such a presence. And, and Jeff, you'll remember... Uh, I was so humbled at dinner time when Steve, before they ate, he asked the question, "You know, what is your, what was your greatest challenge today, and how did you deal with it?" And went around the room, went around the table, and everyone responded what that answer would be, and I had to answer too. <laughs> yep. And um, it was a powerful moment that that's the way Steve lives. He he, he wants other people to understand that uh there's some power within you that is greater than yourself and and we're part of something much bigger.
1: Hey, hey Jeff, just one final thought about Ted. Um, I said to him when we were off the air that he has a smoothness about him. I, I said smooth as silk. But <laughs> God, you see you see the connection between his art of photojournalism, his his role as a photojournalist, and the connection it has to his heart and soul. It's so—he wears it on his sleeve, and you can see it. It's there for everybody to see. But it also results in images that are incredibly special.
0: Yeah, I think Ted would agree. I mean, journalism, photojournalism, it's all just a people business and how you deal with people and the respect you show to your subjects, uh, you earn that trust as Ted has with Steve Michelle and all of his subjects, but it really gets down to just relationships and how you treat others. And, uh, Ted's as good as anybody I've ever worked with in that regard. And it shows in the quality of his work.
1: Boy, does it does. It. Hey Ted, bless you, my friend. I hope you, uh, have continued success. I look forward to having you back on Coast View in the next week or two we'll talk in more detail the backstory for uh, Jackie Wallace. But it, until then, have a great day, my friend.
2: Time. Thank you, guys. Great seeing you.
1: You bet. Hey, when we come back in the final segment, we'll squeeze in a little bit. What's the latest in the Saints world? We'll see you after this.
2: So, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast
0: 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.